Totally Football Show. Crying kids at Wembley, look awesome. Look what you've done. TFS asks, from Thierry Henry to Thierry Herberts, has the club's decline gone on long enough? And while City take a carabao with Pep's first trophy, just how Arsenal will it be when the Gunners choose Thursday's largely abstract league meeting to put in a real performance? Elsewhere, there's top four, what four, Deli Alley on the floor, Pardew heading out the door and more. Plus, the latest from abroad in your Totally Football Show. Hello, listeners on board today. We've got Matt Davis. Listeners, you recall, Matt was the commentator for Chelsea TV and TalkSport. Also, if you're listening in Nigeria, he is the voice of your Argentine football. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Looking good for Boca Juniors at the moment. Is it? Yes. Anything special we should know about that? Uh, Carlos Tevez came back. Oh, uh, yeah. I would say ridiculously overweight, but it doesn't seem to be hindering him too much. Yeah, he's gone straight back into the team and he scored. So he, he's back from what he called his holiday in China. That's lovely. Also here with us today, we've got Ian Irving from Premier League TV. Hello, James. So it's going to be a hard-hitting show. We've got the in-house guy from the Premier League, the in-house guy from <laughs> from Chelsea TV. Hello to you, though, by the way, Ian. Hello. Well done for getting down here so so smoothly. Yeah, there, there, was, there was reports of doom in terms of the weather. Well, snow. Yeah, I didn't even see a snowflake until I got here, James. So. Oh, you certainly saw some when you walked in the studio, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> hey. No comment. All right, then. Duncan Alexander. Hello. All right, Duncan. Going to be coming to you and going to be coming to you big because our first topic is... Carabao Cup magic. And mm. you were there. I was there, yeah. My you took son your son. is an Arsenal fan. He says he's an Arsenal fan. Um, so I thought I'd take him. Is he him. still an Arsenal fan? Yeah, he didn't seem that bothered, really. He was more... He wanted to see the trophy presentation. So, and then, you know... I kind of envy eight-year-olds their their experience of football because it is a more pure and innocent way. But I mean, you I say it was a, that, but of course, so, for so many of us, the Sunday's scenes were, were marked by, I think, around an eight-year-old who was just in, in tears, gutted. Gutted. Yeah, he he took it worse than than my son. Yeah, but um, it was quite strange being in around the Arsenal fans as they experienced that game in real time. Because uh, when the third goal went in, they basically half the half the Arsenal fans just got up and left. And then there was a strange kind of period where uh, every time Arsenal misplaced a pass, after that three or four more people, that was the the straw that broke the camel's back, and they'd just stand up angrily and storm out. And it was uh, you know by the end there was only about eight people left. So yeah. <laughs> What is it actually like to be amongst the Arsenal fans when when a match like that happens? You felt like you were intruding on a sort of family, you know, funeral almost. It was just there was so much anger, and it was almost, it, you know, that everyone had had paid a lot of money obviously to go to the cup final, but the, you know, just under the surface they were so ready to go. Right, that's it. It's, Wenger's got to go. It's it's terrible. Um, and yeah, as you saw, they'd, they'd pretty much all gone by the final whistle. Was there like a resignation to it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Aubameyang had had that good chance really early on. If that had gone in, I think it would have been different. But after that, uh, you know, City took the lead from a particularly bad bit of play from Arsenal. And and everyone after that was just, you know, full of dismay. I mean, it's very strange. I think everyone, whatever club you support, everyone knows clubs when they go through that period when you just, you know, you're so disillusioned. But it was just, I've never really seen it in a cup final before. You know, normally cup finals are a time for celebration. And, you know, even if you lose, like, oh, well... You know, these things happen, but it was just, everyone was just distraught, really. Mm. Do you know, one of the things that's really interesting when you first start working and going around these grounds and to the different clubs, is experiencing how fans experience defeats or victories and the different ways in which the clubs sort of um, show themselves in terms of the characteristics of the fans. What's it like for a defeat at Everton compared to a defeat at Manchester City? What's it like for a victory at you know, Leicester or wherever it is, and there, there is little differences between them all, and the well, Arsenal sort of 
embody a lot about you know the despair of even a cup final experience. Well, there's also times when there is a silver lining, even if you won't admit it, about a defeat because you feel that it maybe moves on. You talk about resignation in the stands, yeah, but towards another kind of resignation. Yeah, well, one guy, as he brushed past me and called me a better fan than him, although I didn't have the heart to point out that I wasn't actually a fan, but <laughs> he um, he said, nothing will change, this has happened. You know, And that, I think that's the issue, is that they've seen it many, many times, right. and, and it just feels like it's Groundhog Day. OK. It's hard not to make this chat about... Man City's biggest ever cup win about Arsenal. But let's quickly say some good things about City, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a strange experience for their players because they didn't really have to get out of third gear particularly. But even that said, I thought the, the third goal from David Silva was just beautiful. It was, you know, typical David Silva and would have taken a heart of stone not to love Vincent Company's goal and the celebration. You could mm. obviously see what it meant to him. And it felt like maybe that's quite convenient for Pep in that he can say well you know company's had his moment this season as well and then we begin to maybe not get rid of him because he's obviously a hugely influential figure around the club but he can start to transition into you know he's he's there for his influence off the pitch as much as he is on the pitch kind of thing Um, but that was that was lovely for him and a, a kind of reward for how often you see players keep trying to come back from injuries and normally the story is they never do isn't it right. and and you know he might not play a game but at least he's got that memory to take to take from you know all those hours and weeks and months of rehab that he was doing well, absolutely daniel's story in his 16 conclusions on football 365 suggesting that he's had 41 separate injuries mm. since joining city vincent company remarkable um, among the many worrying aspects of this game for arsenal fans how big a red light on the dashboard was Vincent Company effectively policing Aubameyang? That is a big worry, isn't it? Because, it, I mean, Aubameyang looked miles behind the rest of the team, or the, the gap between him and the rest of the Arsenal midfield was, was ginormous. But yeah, even when there was a straight race at one point between Company and Aubameyang, wasn't there? And, and you would not have thought that Aubameyang would have won that. And as Daniel said in his, in mm. his um, 16 conclusions, if Aubameyang's lost his pace or is losing his pace, then that's half of his effectiveness gone. Obviously, there's a reason that he's gone to Arsenal and not a bigger club, and maybe that sort of plays into that. But um, it's not the biggest problem that Arsenal have got. Wow, there's no, a reason it's... he's gone to Arsenal and not a bigger club, says the man from Chelsea TV. <laughs> Shocking. He was very isolated from the rest of the team. And, and Ozil was getting a bit of bit of stick from the crowd. But again, he you, there were many times he was picking up the ball and there was just no options. You know, it was... It was just a very disjointed display all round. It's so, early days for Aubameyang as well, isn't it? It is early days. He's, he's only been in English football for a, for a few weeks. It's obviously a cup final. It's a big occasion. You're looking at him up against someone like Vincent Company, who perhaps, you know, you'd expect his pace to not be quite there. But you know, the one thing about Company, even with all these injuries, he still manages to produce these sort of performances. He is a big occasion player. He's a big character as well. And the last thing that Company would have wanted was to go into that match and not give as good a account of himself as he possibly could. Mm. And to be fair, even with 40-odd injuries he's had, when he has been fit, when he has played, he's still been very, very good at times. Was criticism of Arsenal players harsh or spot on? I personally think it was accurate, says Ravin. I'm relieved that Ramsey's finally being openly criticised. He mentioned Shaka as well. And, of course, Mustafi for the opening goal, yeah, Duncan. Just, I mean, it was quite strange. Obviously, City do that thing where they play goal kicks really short. And I think Arsenal almost got... They were so concentrating on, on pressing up against City's defence, they basically left a, a massive hole down the middle, which uh, you don't see many goals like that at the top level. Um, it's extraordinary, though, to see him just stop and kind of 
yeah. appeal to the referee while yeah. Sergio Aguero <laughs> raced off downfield with the ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Aguero had a not a very good record in cup finals in terms of goal scoring, but a very good record against Arsenal. Mm. And it's like, which one will will win out? And it's, it was pretty obvious which one was going to win out. Was that his first goal in nine cup finals? Is that Something right? like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. That's amazing, yeah. isn't it, for a player of his quality? It is. I, as... As amazing as, as Duncan saying something like that. Yeah. The man from Opta. Yeah, well, because I'll tell you why I said that was right. because sometimes you get like super cups and then people, you know, what is a final? Fair enough. Is everything a final? Do you have a. No. Do you, do you, in a sense, I suppose it is. Mm. Mm. But with Mustafi. It's curious that he was playing in this match because if you think back to the start of the season, Arsenal were trying to offload him, weren't they? And they, they started this game with him and Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers having had a, a rotten time against Ostersons on Thursday. And you think, OK, you're going up against the team that scored more goals than anybody else. It just sort of highlighted, obviously, it, Liverpool's been more the, the willful ignorance of defence story throughout the season. But Arsenal have signed all these fantastic attacking players, but... They were left with Mustafi and, and Chambers yeah. trying to deal with Sergio Aguero. Granite Jacker was particularly poor. I mean, Arsenal didn't have a shot on target after the 23rd minute. They had two shots in the whole of the second half. It, wow. it was just, you know, Did, as the cup finals go, it was, it was abject. There was nothing about it which looked like a cup final performance. No. I thought he would have changed it quicker, Wenger, as well. You sort of looked at the situation in the second half um, and you had those three centre-halves who were more or less going up against Aguero directly. Obviously, there was other players coming into it and so on. Uh, but it sort of seemed an opportunity maybe to move to a four at the back uh, a bit quicker to try and get back into the game would have been the way forward. But Wenger just waited, and I think Danny Welbeck was actually waiting to come on mm. yeah, more or less as the game finished. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah, as the game sort of finished in terms of uh, a contest. So, yeah, maybe maybe looking back at that, Wenger would have perhaps acted quicker, possibly. But there was that quote from Wenger at the end when he complained to the fourth official about there only being three minutes of added time, and apparently the fourth official said, why do you want more time? <laughs> So, he's just used to asking for more time, I think. That's the problem. City, obviously, are a pretty special team, but does this represent a new nadir for Arsene Wenger? Well, until the next one, I guess. It's strange that he's never won the League Cup, isn't it? Mm. it, Because that would have been one thing that he could have used to save himself at the end of the season. I mean, he's a man who's won To an extent, you know, he he could have said, well, I've, I've completed the set of English domestic trophies which is not something to be sniffed at but it's been such a bad week for that and them drawing AC Milan it could unravel very quickly well that's it's a very interesting point Matt actually because there's been a lot of they are how many points they're 10 points off the top 4 Arsenal but never mind they can get into the Champions League by winning the Europa League that draw is going to be really interesting Milan on Sunday night were really slicing their way through Roma's bat line and and Roma have a proper I mean they, they know how to defend if they can do that to to, to Roma, what are they going to do to, to Arsenal? It's, and, and it's not just AC Milan. The Europa League, to me, looks a lot stronger at this stage than it did last season. So you always felt from sort of quarterfinals onwards that Manchester United were heavy favourites to win it. But you've got, obviously, Atletico Madrid, a lot of other good teams yeah. in there as well. I wouldn't make Arsenal even second or third favourites, probably. So, it's a, I mean, they've, they've got to put all their eggs in that basket because they're not going to finish in the top four. But it's looking like a second season outside the Champions League. Well, the fight back begins, of course, this Thursday when they take on Man City again. Mr Podge asking the key question, will Arsenal go on a run now that all the pressure of winning anything is off? What do you think? I'm going with no. (laughs) Apparently, is there some doubt about Fernandinho and how how much he's going to be present in the next couple of weeks? Went off clutching a hamstring? That's a massive worry, that, for Manchester City. And I'm sure the biggest concern on Pep Guardiola's mind, because he is like this he'll quickly forget about the fact they've won a trophy and very, very quickly 
think about the problem with Fernandinho because for me he's probably their most important player. Mm. He's certainly the, the hardest to replace from that squad. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's not the most talented, maybe he's, he's certainly not the most celebrated, but in terms of the role that he plays in that system for Guardiola, he, he is probably their most important player tactically. You say that'll be Pep's biggest concern, but I, I'm going to suggest probably the second biggest concern, right behind okay. all the people who have no freedom. Uh, Pep sending a message to the FA over that yellow ribbon business. I have empathy for the people who have no freedom, he says. Before being a football manager, I am a human being, and this is for humanity. To what extent, and I know this is not strictly a football question, to what extent does that sit unhappily with his continued involvement on, on a commercial level with Qatar? Mm, totally football show, asking the questions that matter. Now, time for an advert. You can't buy success, unless that is, you're backed by Petrobillions. Just ask PSG in Man City. Well, Paddy Power have spent the big bucks buying the best tech brains to make their app better and faster than ever. Check it out for yourself by downloading it for free on Android and iPhone now. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. Duncan, as oily sailor of Opta fame, I imagine you've got some pretty special stats about the weekend's action. The beauty of stats is that they apply to every game in equal measure, so ah. I'll be bringing them in uh, as and when we discuss the, okay. uh, the fine fare that we saw in the Premier looking, League this weekend. Looking forward to getting statological with you mm. as the show progresses. Nice. Top four race. Here's a stat. Someone big is going to miss out because six into four does not go. Arsenal, ten points off the, the, the kind of magic quartet. Chelsea now in fifth place two of the Champions League spots after the game at Old Trafford, which you were at, Ian. Yes. Yeah. And you were watching as well, weren't you, Matt? Yes, I was. Trying yeah. to put a positive spin on things. Um, I for can the do kind that. of Chelsea Pravda broadcast. Yeah, yeah uh, I can do that for the first half. Maybe not so much for the second half. Um, Chelsea were really, really good in the first half. William is in amazing form yeah. at the moment. Um, terrific finish. I love the fact that he looked up, saw that it was difficult to square it uh, for Morata, and so just smashed it past De Gea, backed himself to beat arguably the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment at his near post. Great. Uh, Victor Moses has been better for Chelsea in recent months, which has allowed them to sort of switch the play around a little bit more and, and send sort of left to right balls, which was working for them a lot last season. But then it all fell apart in the second half, unfortunately. Why, Ian? I think United were better. Um, confused is probably a bit a bit too much, but they, they sort of took a little bit of time it felt to to work their way into this uh, system that Mourinho had come up with for this game. Uh, he very deliberately didn't use five at the back. Maybe that was due to the fact that Baye wasn't fully fit and the likes of Rojo and, and Jones were unavailable. So was it 4-3-3 again? Not really, no. He, he sort of played like a... I think he even he called it a midfield square. Hmm. So it was like 4-3-3. Um, Two, 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 almost. I don't even think that's correct, but it's certainly closer to it than four, three, three. Crucial to it were Matic and McTominay, and I have to say that's probably Nemanja Matic's best game in a Manchester United shirt. The purpose that he played with, he looked like a player who'd left Chelsea at the end of last season. But Scott McTominay, I mean, he's under so much scrutiny at the moment. He's been sort of dragged into the Paul Pogba situation at, at United because of being selected. Uh, in Spain in the Champions League in the week when Pogba wasn't from the start. Um, but I think yesterday we had a view of what Jose Mourinho sees in McTominay because in the press conference on Friday he was very, very clear that he saw 
a player that can be developed in, in Scott McTominay. And he saw very sort of specific qualities that he believed were in McTominay. And what what better way to show that than being given a job to man mark one of the best players in Europe and that player is taken off with 20 minutes of the match still remaining. I mean, it, yeah. he just did a fantastic job. The, the, the move to take off Eden Hazard received a, a lot of criticism a lot, lot of people feeling that this was a real win for Mourinho over Conte, but also, I, I guess, the fact that it was a, a proper victory in a match against a, a top six side. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Hazard uh, is one of the most substituted players in the Premier League this season, so it's not a massive surprise that he came off, although he was playing well in the game. Um, I think the big issue, obviously, for Chelsea was Alvaro Morata, who could have had a, a much different afternoon if his shot in the first couple of minutes had gone in off the bar rather than off the bar. Um, but he is somebody who I think would have benefited massively from having a season of training with John Terry every day. And John Terry would have just kicked him about and bumped him and said, this is what's what's going to happen to you in the Premier League. Because he's still, in late February, getting kicked, going down, looking at the ref and throwing his arms out and sort of like the penny's not dropped yet. In a similar way uh, to Didier Drogba in his first season at Chelsea and he went on to become one of the best players in the club's history. So I wouldn't write him off. And and obviously he's had injury, uh, one of his friends passed away, unfortunately. That's mm. He's had a bit of time off because of that. So it's been a difficult first season for him. But I do just think that the influence of Terry on Morata could have helped him Is adapt no to the Premier League. Is there no problem that who can just kick Morata a yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, there could be. Gary Cahill might do that. But um, without wishing to sound like the cheerleader of his fan club, yeah. John Terry was... Good at Chelsea, people. and he was good at kicking people. Yes, yeah. and and he would have done that. And what what he also did very well as kick people was he always made a big effort as the club captain to integrate foreign players into the environment at the did club. He? Yeah, very very big on that. Um, so that might have helped as well. But I do just think you know the street smarts. Uh, you know, and and he could have said to Marath, "Look, I did this to Drogba, and look what happened to him." There's, yeah. there's your test case. So okay, here's a, a question from Paul McIntosh who says. If Man United had signed Morata in the summer and Chelsea had subsequently bought Lukaku, would it have made any difference whatsoever to the season each side has had? You're saying, though, because I think a lot of people feel that, swap the two around, Chelsea mm. would be flying. You're saying, though, that Morata is going to come good. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think um, he, on his day, he's he's better holding the ball up than Lukaku is and he's better at linking the play. Lukaku um, comes alive in the penalty area, obviously. He's much quicker than, than Morata is, but I think Morata is better suited to the system that Conte wanted to play. And though mm. Chelsea obviously were linked with Lukaku as well, Conte made a big play for Morata, having come close to working with him at Juventus, but not quite getting there. He always wanted to, so... Obviously, he struggled a bit, but I think next season we'll see whether he's going to be a hit or a miss. OK. I was surprised at Morata's selection. Um, sort of working at the game, uh, occasionally you get sort of whispers about what teams will be and what uh, what sort of tactics managers will employ um, before the, the official announcement. And there were whispers that Morata was going to play. And quite a few of us were, were quite surprised by that. We were sort of doubting... Um, doubting the whispers because Chelsea had played so well against Barcelona uh, without uh, a recognised centre forward. Olivier Giroud as well actually has, has played a lot, hasn't he, in recent weeks and, and done okay. Uh, and actually, I think he scored at Old Trafford last season. He's, he's had decent matches against United in the past. So I was surprised that he went with Morata. Um, yeah. Early on, it looked like a masterstroke. Certainly, if that if that early chance had gone in, like you say, maybe it would have been different. But um, as the match went on, his sort of influence um, did to, did sort of slide. It's interesting, actually, because I remember sitting on a sun lounger last summer mm-hmm. on my summer holidays and reading about... Where were you, Ian? Uh, I was on my honeymoon, actually. I was, in, I was in the Maldives. In the Maldives? Yeah. Um, so you're there with your 
your you know freshly wedded bride in yeah. the Maldives. Yeah. And what are you thinking about? Um, well, I think she may have been sort of having a snooze at this point. I uh-huh. perhaps had, had popped off to get What's some, passing through Ian Irving's mind? To get a drink. So I'd, I'd had a chance to be able to pick my mobile phone up and check the football news. So um, I remember reading about Romelu Lukaku signing for United, Morata signing for Chelsea and Lacazette signing for Arsenal and all the immediate comparisons there were. Um, this was a very quick look, of course. It was just as long as it took her to get a pina colada and come back. Um, she doesn't drink pina coladas. I don't know why I said that. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Do they even have pina coladas in the Maldives? I don't know. It's more of a Caribbean thing. I've gone way off track. But yeah, the comparison <laughs> the comparison between the three of them. Oh, yeah. um, and if you look at that now, I think Lukaku at the time had quite a bad press. But if you look at it now, I, I think he has been easily the best signing of the three. He scored twice as many goals as oh, the other two. Yeah, although that goal yesterday was his first against the top eight team the season. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that, and that has been something that's been, you know, levelled at him throughout his career is that he is very good against the, you know, the, the smaller teams. But he stepped up to Manchester United and the major issue that United had from from last season was the fact that they couldn't see off these teams who wouldn't be in the bracket that Lukaku doesn't score true. against. And the fact that United are second, it you know, indicates that they are picking up the points where they're, you know Yeah, yeah. And so. and he's scored what, twenty two goals mm. now? I mean mm. he's on course to get thirty plus Plus in his first season at Old Trafford, which you know is pretty good, isn't it? By and contrast, he's twenty-four. You always forget that with the Kaku because he's been yeah, around yeah. for so long. So he's not—he's maybe three years off his peak. I don't right. think he's a finished product at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not his biggest fan by any stretch. I just think that the, there's there's a lot of intense scrutiny on Manchester United, whether it's people like McTominay coming into the team, whether it's Pogba's performances, Lukaku, Mourinho, whatever it is, there does seem an extreme and an intensity to the scrutiny on Manchester United. And I do feel like at times uh, Lukaku gets the brunt of that. I totally understand Duncan's point about not scoring against the top teams. That's definitely something that needs to be improved. Yesterday was only the start of addressing that, really. Um, but, you know, if he does get to the point where he scored 30-plus goals, Manchester United finished second as a product of, of those goals to a degree. I, I think that's OK for a first season. Fair enough. Here's a stat for you, Duncan. Morata has received more yellow cards than goals and assists since October, start of October. Mm. He's had nine yellows. Descent. He loves a bit of descent. Goals or assists. But that, the descent comes from him not accepting what is a foul and what isn't a foul. Because right. most of those yellow thing. cards come from him being kicked and mm. moaning to the ref about yeah. it. Matt, uh, Man United a second, Chelsea very much aren't. Mm. How worried are you about their Champions League place prospects? Um, I am fairly concerned uh, because Chelsea have been in and out of form and Tottenham look really good and Liverpool look excellent and Man United you always fancy to, to grind out a result. Chelsea have got Spurs and Liverpool at home in the running. Liverpool's the penultimate game of the season. It might well come down to what happens in those matches. Obviously they've got a fantastic record against Spurs at, at Stamford Bridge. They might need to win both those two games in order to, um, to make the top four it might be as much about taking points off rivals as uh, as anything else but it's going to be really close as you said six into four doesn't go it's five into four really isn't it if we if we rule Arsenal out 10 points back but somebody's going to miss out and mm. yeah at the moment it's Chelsea we've obviously right. been spoiled this season with five teams in the Champions League so there's five teams who are kind of think that they belong there and that probably won't you know we'll fight four of them will definitely get in but for one way so. oh, maybe one will win the well, Arsenal Europa could win the Europa League, but as as we discussed, it seems unlikely. Just to clarify, if one of the five English sides in the Champions League actually wins the thing, what does that mean for Champions League places next season? They would get in, but then you would lose a place, I believe. They so you would still it. only have four. It's only yeah. the Europa League that would give you a exactly, fifth side. Yeah. Good to know. More top four talk 
after this. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, now on Alexa. Just ask Alexa to enable The Totally Football Show skill and listen to the podcast on your Amazon Dot or Echo. Spurs are two points ahead of Chelsea. They had a 1-0 win over Palace. Uh, Harry Kane eventually bagging that winner because it did look like kind of that ship had sailed. Uh, worrying news for Spurs is the fact that Unless anybody wants to pitch anything about this game, do you? Uh, I enjoyed Serge Aurier's three foul throws. Three foul it's very rare to see that many foul throws. It is, actually. Mm. I mean, one's quite rare, so... You do actually see quite a lot in the Premier League. There are, lines, no, there are lines really never pulled. It's almost like, yeah. you know, Sunday League, you will always get pulled up for it. But right. Premier League linesmen are like, ah, oh, it's, you know, they're you probably know just tired. Or yeah. but, I always remember my dad when I was a kid, actually, when we watched European football. And I'd say, oh, it's a foul throw, it? not in Europe, son. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, Jan Vertonghen, mystery over his ankle. Uh, they've got the, the game coming up with uh, Juventus' second leg mm. in, what, eight days? This was the first time, I think, since 2015, Duncan, you'll know this, that n- neither of the two Belgian centre-backs was in the starting lineup. Mm, it's been a long time, yeah. Mm. It was. Uh, it's also, I think, just looking from a Palace point of view, yes. it's looking pretty... You know, they obviously had a resurgence when Hodgson took over, but they're looking pretty worrying. Now, They've, I think... Obviously, missing Zaha is a big loss. Well, that's lost the thing. They've all lost eight games he's missed. All season. ten I've got here. It might be in all competitions. Yeah. We'll go with yours. Eight that uh, they've played without him. They've got 12 senior players out injured. They've got Man United next. They've got Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool as three of their next four with Ooh. Huddersfield, which is obviously a huge game for them, sandwiched in between that. Wow. Yikes. Uh, Huddersfield with Crystal Palace currently lying just goal difference above the bottom three. Huddersfield getting a second straight win, actually. And their next three games, the Terriers, uh, are all against sides below them, so they could really put a bit of distance between themselves. Uh, they went and beat West Brom at West Brom. West Brom got booed off by their fans. Stories today are that Pardew's got until the Watford game at the end of the week to save his job. It used to be very <laughs> rare. It used to be very rare that a uh, football club in the Premier League would go through three managers in a season. But mm. it now seems to be at least once a year that a team. But who could it. they possibly bring in? I don't know. Tony Pulis. Well, he's kind of busy with Borough, <laughs> who may well take West Brom's place. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting after the game. Um, Pardew made reference to West Brom's very poor record. I think three yeah. wins out of whatever, which was quite a, seven. Yeah, clever move from him because he's actually only won seven of his last uh, fifty-two games as a Premier League manager. Well, that's right. So he he was actually using data to kind of shield himself. Yet the his own data was was far worse. So, yeah. and I think a lot of uh, a lot of West Brom fans have seen through that. Duncan, I bet that's not the only exciting stat you have about this game. Um, well, it's just. You know, West Brom are not looking great, and obviously Craig Dawson is mm. their main goal threat. He's the top scoring defender in the last few seasons in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when you're relying on Dawson as your kind of man to keep you up, probably not looking great. Did you know that four of West Brom's last six goals have come from Chris Brunt corners? Yeah, that's so Pulis esque, isn't it? Mm. Um, Huddersfield-wise, I've got a, a point of mild interest about Raji Van Lepara, okay. who is the half brother of Genie Wijnaldum, and his yes. cousin is Royston Drenthe. Is that right? Yeah. Where is Royston Drenthe these days? Who knows? He's probably still playing somewhere, isn't well, he? Partying, I imagine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Allegedly. Uh, super. That bottom of the table situation has West Brom seven points from safety. Stoke are one point of safety in penultimate spot. Then you've got Swansea just inside the bottom three on goal difference. Palace and Saints, 
Newcastle two points above the drop, Huddersfield and West Ham three above the drop, Brighton plus four, and Bournemouth plus five. Bournemouth, who came back to get a point at home to Newcastle after what looked like being an absolutely terrific away win for for uh, Rafa Benitez's side. They're at Liverpool next, aren't they? Mm. Newcastle, yeah. Ooh. Bournemouth, right. even with that late equaliser, Eddie Howe still wears the expression of a man who's just received some mildly disappointing news. Well, I would say a point at home to Newcastle would fall into that category. But they were 2 0 down. He always yeah. looks like he's, you know, his, his wife just said, Sorry, Eddie, the, the babysitter's just cancelled, or, you know, we've just had a call from the garage and they can't get the part till Thursday. He'd right. Google image Eddie Howe, and that is his permanent expression. Okay. Interesting window on your priorities there, <laughs> Matt. Um, I was on my honeymoon, I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Leicester had a 1-1 draw with Stoke, largely thanks to Jack Butland. Is that a fair summary? Well, he made that error, which was pretty high profile, but then he did make a few good saves. I mean, that game was notable for me, for Mm. making me feel old, because Kevin Campbell's son was trying to score past Peter Schmeichel's son. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And life moves on, so, yeah. Mm. But, um, you know, obviously a lot's thought of uh, Tyrese Campbell at at Stoke. He looked a little bit overawed, I thought, but, you know, um, probably more dangerous than some of their options. Absolutely. Always interesting when a, um, a player plays in the same position as his dad as well, isn't it? Because you think you, there's enough problems that you've got trying to live up to your father. So, you know, you, but you've got that, both of those two, obviously, Kasper Schmeichel and Tyrese Campbell following in their, in their old man's footsteps. Mm. Mm. Very true. I thought Stoke were quite good, actually. OK. Yeah. Stoke have had right. only one win in nine mm. matches now, Ian. Yeah, I, 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 going away to Leicester City, I think that's a good point. And actually, mm. it could have quite easily been three points as well. I felt a bit sorry for Jack Butland, considering the match that he had to make that sort of error. And actually, for me, um, I think when we get to the World Cup finals, I think Jack Butland is going to be the England number one. Do you think so? It just feels to me like... Who, else, who else will he bring? Pickford. Pickford? Joe Hart, probably still. Do you think? I think so. Whether he's included or not, based on his starts, I don't know, mm. because he's not playing for West Ham at the moment. However, um, probably for his experience, as much as anything else, to to sort of help Butland and Pickford through the, uh, a major tournament, right. I sort of feel like that would be more beneficial to to whoever is first choice than than perhaps uh, perhaps someone else. All right. Will Gareth bring someone to kick people in training? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. That's a big test of Joe Hart's character if he's uh-huh. going to go as number three, isn't it? I think mm. you, Southgate would have to make a, a, a really t- honest and brutal assessment of, of Hart's personality as whether he is... Think about how wound up he gets before games and things. How, is he going to be all right being... You know, he's not even the sub-goalie, essentially, is he, if he's the number three? Well, it's only eight years since the World Cup where he was, you know, clearly the best keeper there and mm. didn't get a game because he wasn't experienced enough. And, you know, the last World Cup obviously only played two matches. Um, yeah, life comes at you fast. Wow. Rob Green, of course, who had the, the, mm. the start of era, and then David James came in. Yeah. He, he, Joe mm. Hart, yeah, though, more he, Joe sort Hart. of around that subject, mm. he, he has taken uh, a lot of setbacks, hasn't he? Um, you know, he, he, starting with with Pep arriving at, at City and deciding that he wasn't the number one, then getting moved out to Torino, uh, it didn't go perfectly for him there. Um, the fact that he was in Italy probably helped because it escaped sort of some people's conscience in this country. People who took notice certainly noted that it wasn't his his best year. Uh, as a goalkeeper in in top flight football in Europe, and then he, he's obviously gone to West Ham and and lost his place there as well. So he has taken a lot of setbacks. He you know he's a, he's a character who who's had to deal with quite a lot in the last sort of two years. Or do so. you like him? In you spent a bit of time with him in Manchester? Yeah, I've interviewed him quite a few times. Yeah, I think I do like him yeah. actually. Um, I, I think as well that 
I felt a little bit sorry for him um, with how it went at City, but you sort of look at, at Edison now and you see the vision of, of what Pep was thinking and you just can't argue with that really, can you? Indeed you can't. Bernie drew with Saints 1-1. Bobby Bandley controversy. I don't know that it's Bobby's fault exactly. I mean, why run into the referee who stood stock still at the time? In other Premier League Premier League news, Brighton beat Swansea mm. 4-1. I was mildly pleased with that after uh, Carvajal's comments about stats last week. Did you oh, see yeah. That? yeah. How did that go down at Opta Towers? Well, Basically, it didn't really make sense what he said. And also, I was, I was worried said. about the prospect of taking a chicken on a picnic from right. a bone disposal point of view, mainly. Really? But, yeah. just seems, it's seems nature, a little hassle. It? It's still very biodegradable chicken bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah got to be careful, though. Dogs, dogs chew chicken bones. can be fatal for them. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, really intrigued about okay. the, the angry statistician sat in the office seeing his comments and going, right, what can we dig up on Swansea this weekend? <laughs> so, Carlos... Suggested that stats were worthless because if he went on a picnic with you and he ate the chicken and he you ate the didn't, entire chicken, that you the, the, statistically had both the eaten half would a say chicken. The fifty percent of the chicken had been eaten by me, but I don't think they, the, I don't think it works like I that. I wouldn't have reflected the no. reality of it. No. no. Uh, okay, so what have you dug up on Swansea's defeat? Well, they lost four-one to Brighton. Well, that's so all you need. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from a statistical point of view, interesting. Lewis Dunk with his fourth own goal of the season, right. which is equals the Premier League record. Martin Skirtle in uh, 2013-14. So he's got ten games to break the record, which I think he can do. Okay. Excellent. I, I, t- I found interesting about this game and have in recent weeks. Glenn Murray's got five goals in five games since he was arrested on suspicion of tax fraud. It hasn't affected him. It, it makes me think of um, the Lee Bowyer Woodgate thing when Lee Bowyer was playing really well throughout that. I just, you just it, think. I'm going to say it was a different charge at least. Of course, was it was a different charge, but it, something that serious hanging over your Is head might, might affect your performance. Of well, a million pound tax fraud is fairly serious, isn't it? I mean, it is. Sorry, Matt, you're absolutely right. Brighton, who have a terrific record at the Amex, have got Arsenal there on Saturday. Arsenal, who will have been in action late on Thursday against Man City. Is, 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 is that going to be the next chapter in the Gunners' decline and fall? It certainly could be, couldn't it? You, you can see you can see it not going well against City again and then and then you go into that Brighton game with a lot of pressure on. But um, I was surprised at Brighton and Swansea, actually, because Swansea, well, I think I'm right in saying with a form side in the league, aside from Tottenham going into the yeah. weekend, I did not, I did not see that coming uh, at all. But, you know, you look at results... At this stage of the season, between teams who are battling against relegation and you sort of look at the Huddersfield result and you look at the Brighton result and it makes me wonder just how important those results could be come the end of the season because I think they could be pretty crucial. And on Swansea, on, on that point, they've got West Ham, Huddersfield and Southampton as their next three. Oh. So we'll find out a bit more. Of course, Swansea also have Sheffield Wednesday in a cup replay on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Spurs will be hosting Rochdale. Sheffield Wednesday obviously reeling after the weekend lost to uh, to Villa. There were 17 fouls in that match. 16 17. of them conceded by Sheffield Wednesday. One by Aston Villa. I think a lot of Wednesday fans were, were irate. Sorry, say that again. So there were 17 fouls in the yes. game. Yeah. Uh, 16 of them conceded by Wednesday. One right. by Villa, which is a pretty big gap. I John Terry plays for Villa. Yeah. One foul for Villa. Mm. And was it like a last-minute foul from Villa just, just to get one on the board sort of thing? Yeah, I think it was quite late on. I think also I think the ref was Swarbrick, who then a day later was the the VAR man at Wembley. So well, I mean, maybe, he's, maybe he was thinking about video rather than fouls. Nice one, Duncan. What else did you dig up in your, your, your trawl through the, the stats? Uh, did you find anything about Watford-Everton? One shot on target. Well, 
They went to Dubai. They went all the way to Dubai. They came back. They still only had one shot on target, Everton. Yeah, I think they had two, didn't they? So they have two shots on target. Mm. But yeah, no, Everton, they're away. From, I think they've won one of their last 22 away games. Um, and Allardyce seems to have kind of, you know, turned them into a very um, defensive team, as he as he might do. But they, uh, you know, they just didn't look like scoring, really. Um, mm. Jordan Pickford did have the first shot by a goalkeeper, though, this season. Did he? Yeah. Troy Deeney scored the first goal that he's managed from open play this season. Mm. That's remarkable. Yeah, penalty man generally. But um, yeah, I mean, Pickford, I mean, maybe that you know should get him a place in the World Cup team if he's having shots. <laughs> yeah. He's actually had 1% of Everton shots under Allardyce. <laughs> What's he like at taking penalties? Probably quite good. I always think gold would be quite good. If you take a penalty, like a goal kick. Just essentially. smash it. Yeah, yeah, top yeah. corner. Yeah. I had some... Um, I had some interesting advice about taking penalties from a specialist on Friday, one Beppe Signori. He took a penalty against me and surprisingly beat me, and I'll be revealing what he said to me in Wednesday's Golazzo show, Ian. Nice. Now, there's one other game which we haven't addressed yet. It was a terrific performance from Liverpool as they defeated West Ham once again. We'll talk about that very shortly, but just to close off this bit, Everton were in the UAE. Royce and Drinta. That's where he finished his career, and he used to play for Everton. Yes. And he retired, actually, we were just wondering. So the latest is he's retired last summer to concentrate on his rapping career. Of course he has. What rapping career, you're asking, Matt? This rapping career. Ulysses solo, two faces combo. Bruya binnen vallen, druk te maken met my papa. Harry blijft schoppen met die pokus. Pat Nevin was in the hot seat last week. Matt, you've got a good story about Pat and pizza, is that right? Um, yes, yes, is I'm sure he won't story? mind me telling this. Yeah, All right, a good story might be stretching you a bit, but it's a story. All right. um, so Pat is my co-commentator for Champions League games, or for a lot of games uh, on Chelsea TV, which is great. It's a great learning experience for me because he knows everything about football. Uh, but it's also great because at half-time, he has a pizza delivered from Frankie's Restaurant, which is in Stamford Bridge, mm. and gets a runner to bring it up to the stand, and he shares it out at half-time. Which what is, pizza uh, does Pat have? He pretty much always goes for pepper. Pepperoni, in fairness, right. which I was slightly surprised by. I, I wouldn't have been uh, surprised if he was a vegetarian, quattro formaggio kind of guy. But no, he, he likes a bit of meat and a bit of spice. And uh, we shared we shared a slice at halftime in the Barcelona game last week. And it was it was very pleasant. He's a generous man, but he does love Don't pizza. tell Morrissey. <laughs> no, quite. That's so true. Pat's got a story about Morrissey, hasn't he? He has Which a few, we're going to be revealing in our special Dublin Live show. Tickets for which the handful that are still remaining are available at ticketmaster.ie Monday the 19th of March is the evening that Julian, James uh, and myself and Pat will be just, you know talking football with our friends in Dublin mm. Plus Guinness Plus Guinness By the way, if you're a fan of quizzes Duncan mm. facebook.com slash the Totally Football Show at 12.30gmt on Fridays totally the place you need to be for the Totally Football quiz. Anyone can enter, anyone but you, Duncan, because you of Opta are doing the questions. I need to think of them in my mind shortly. Okay. All right, nice one. Because it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because they have to be questions that people can't, can't Google. Yeah, there's been reports of uh, a little bit of uh, you know, nefarious activity. So okay. I'm going to make them even harder. Wow. Yeah? 
It's always yeah. one or two rotten apples spoiling it for everybody. I know. Sad. Anyway, uh, what prizes are on offer? Frankly, I don't know, but I should do by Thursday, so that's nice. Liverpool, once again, they put four past West Ham. They're quite good, aren't they? Liverpool. Mm. At the front and at the back, increasingly. Quite, yeah, I really like Klopp's quote on um, Trent Alexander-Arnold after this game. He's a little bit of a street kid. If you see his crosses, they're a little bit dirty. Dirty crosses. Mm. Mm. Not something we track, but I think dirty crosses should be a. Yeah, yeah. This the new metric. Let's go for it. <laughs> I was really interested in Klopp after the game, actually, um, going on the attack a little bit with his players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, yeah, it, it was the quotes were surprising in some ways, but then I, I sort of understood where he was coming from. Basically, he was sort of saying when they have team meetings and when they get together and have a meal and stuff, at the start of the season, everyone's very quiet, quite subdued, you know, with, with what's coming. And he said, sort of, in recent weeks, when one game, you win two games, three games, people get relaxed, they're more jokey and things like that. And he was sort of saying he wanted the players to stay angry, wanted to ensure that that intensity in the play and the aggression in the play stayed there in order for them to be able to to finish where he believes they should do, which, to be fair, they've got a good chance now of finishing second, haven't they? Well, they're going to be facing United, who are ahead of them, very soon. Yeah, a couple of weeks next. Are uh, they the second best team in the Premier League? League? Uh, Not according to the table, no, they're the third best team at the moment. Whether that changes between now and the end of the... Sorry for being smart. uh, Whether that changes from now to the end of the season, um, I think there is a chance, and and a lot will depend on that game at Old Trafford as well. But I have to say, I know we've talked about Manchester United, but Mourinho was not frightened at all to build that match up against Chelsea he was not frightened at all to say that it was the start of a really important period for Manchester United specifically at Old Trafford as well with with that game against Liverpool coming also the FA Cup quarter final to come there as well the second leg of the Champions League last 16 tie against Sevilla as well and and really for United they'd not been in a great moment things had not been going well they'd lost a few matches there was obviously all the all the arguments between Mourinho and Pogba that was being played out across across the newspapers as well and that really did feel like a quite important victory for United heading into that Liverpool game specifically mm. Jonathan Clifford says can we have some proper love for Firmino back to Liverpool now and his no look finishes today please what percentage Duncan 14% of his goals this season have been no look which is good I mean it made me wonder what sort of other professions you could bring in no look stuff into I mean air traffic control yeah. do you define no look as not looking at the goal or not looking at the ball well, that well, not the goal, surely. I guess. I mean, he sort of. It's a bit of a strange technique. He's he's becoming more deliberate as it goes on. Mm. This one was very much like, oh look, I'm going to do no look. Um, but you know, it's. Can I, can I just ask, at what point does it get actually quite annoying? <laughs> yeah, well, I it it's the sort of thing that would rile your dad. I would say. Right, you know? I am your dad. He needs what he needs to do. He needs to move it on now because, yeah. like you say, fourteen percent. So perhaps he could actually run to the goal line, stop it, get on his hands and knees, and just slowly just roll the ball over the line of his head. I saw Nathan Tyson do that in a game. Once. Someone actually done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He he lobbed the ball over the goalkeeper for Wickham against Bury, I think. Um, yeah. So he was basically running on goal with no one there. He stopped and then slid and headed it in. And uh, I think Wickham's manager at the time was John Gorman, and he berated him for being unprofessional and disrespectful. Gianluca Vialli, and this is a long time ago, in a massively rain-drenched game at Sampdoria, 
put the ball in sliding with his head when he basically went down and the pitch was so rain on that he just slid and the ball was in front of him and he managed to kind of just flick it in with his head as he went by. Tyson and Viali, what an exclusive club that would be to join. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but, anyway, you know, so... I, think, I think it's good. I think, you know, remember Balotelli's one scoring with his shoulder um, yep. at home. You know, these sort of goals do live on in the memory. And in a, in a fairly mundane, routine 4-1 home win, you know, people will remember that game now because of that. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was really good in that game as well, wasn't he? Got a chance to play the in, West Ham in centre, yeah, in yeah. centre midfield. Um, I wonder if that might be his route into the England team in the World Cup as well. If he if he gets the chance to keep playing there between now and the end of the season, obviously that was why he signed for He's Liverpool. Been pretty good for England over the last couple mm. of years, actually. And you know, obviously playing well at club level is going to. Do you know what? Have we ever been this close to a major tournament and been unable to name the majority? of the starting 11 for England. That's a good point. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? That, that's a good point as well. Um, I sort of feel like maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, because that way, no? Yeah, because, you know, normally when we're at this stage, we've, we can probably name nine or ten of the 11 almost. Um, and it's not worked for us in the past, has it? You know, we've, we've not had successful tournaments um, at all. So perhaps it's going to be a good thing. But, but listeners may be trying to perform this exercise in their minds right now. So we've got... Harry Kane up front. Oh, okay. The, yeah, the so confirmed one. ones. Yeah. yeah. Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, John Stones. Is that it? Maybe Kyle Walker. Do, do you think John Stones is nailed on? Mm, well, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Walker is. Yeah. Kyle Walker, yeah. 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 I think Kyle Walker is. Any others that you would say, uh, no question, starting 11 right now? You would have said Lalana, but you know, a year ago. But yeah, his an injured yeah, exactly. Well, you'd have said Jordan Henderson maybe as yeah. well, but no, Gary Cahill in the past maybe, Chris Smalling in the past maybe. I just think that you probably are only able to name maybe two or three people who you're pretty sure. And this is before anyone suffers a last-minute horrendous injury, and we all have to touch the screen to heal them and all those sort of things. You mm. know? That, that's the benefit of what you're talking about, isn't it? I mean, there's, Harry Kane is obviously the the player that England can least afford to lose, but. Mm. A lot of the other players are interchangeable with players of similar yeah. quality, which is not a position that England ever find whole themselves. Worrying about Beckham's injury or Rooney's injury came from was like mm. we need who else? these players. Yeah. yeah, Gareth Barry. You know, we had to put him in a in a cryogenic tent before 2010, didn't we? And, and the one thing actually that probably is more of a concern for England, although possibly that explains his longevity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite, yeah. The one thing for me that's probably more concerning for England is the fact that I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe it's not actually. I'm undoing my own point as I'm saying it. But I don't really know what system they're going to play either, for certain. Yeah. I'm well, often sure. they don't either, so that's fine. Well, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it'll be a variation of, of 4-3-3. But perhaps that's good as well. Perhaps actually being interchangeable against different Celtic. oppositional work as well. Yeah. Celtic's quite clean. Uh, keen? Clean? He's quite clean. But he, uh, he's also quite keen on uh, playing a back three, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, could, yeah. So yeah. that's all sorted then. Very few confirmed players and no idea about the system. It all adds up to another successful summer. <laughs> Brilliant. No, but it, James, yes. it, it actually might do. But you never know. Because it's so different. Exactly. And, and Southgate as well, I've been quite Im- impressed in a way about just how he's gone about trying to explore different ideas. He's look a nice at different man, isn't ideas. he? Yeah, he, he's, he's, been a, he's been a pundit in the past on Premier League TV. You probably have, have worked with him. Mm-hmm. I remember him being... Uh, with us up at Anfield, this is quite a few years ago, uh, when he was between managerial jobs. He may have even been getting his coaching badges at the time, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, he was a, a really nice fella. Uh, very, very knowledgeable about the game, as you'd expect. As Do you know well. where he gets his knowledge from? Go on. Modesty prevents me from answering. I don't know if he listens to this one, but he certainly used to listen to another one. Nice. Yeah. 
Anyway, so perhaps you could name the England starting <laughs> eleven. No, probably he's driving along in the back of. He's probably sat in the back of some FA limo right now, jotting down those names as we said them. Yeah, hey Gareth, the certainty in which John Stones was said initially, per- yeah. perhaps that will convince him now that Stones should start the first match of the World Cup. Perhaps. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible. And their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door. And you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. I was going to ask you all, what was the best game you saw this weekend? Ian, you've already said, I think, the Man United-Chelsea performance. Is that right? Um, it was the only game I was at. But in yeah. terms of like talking points and actual, yeah. an actual uh, incident and it being important, yeah, that was the best game I've seen. Okay, Matt, what was yours? QPR 2, Nottingham Forest 5, which I uh, attended as a, a Forest supporter with very low expectations. Um, I'd even taken the step of tweeting the FSF the day before, saying uh, 20's plenty campaign, obviously, in the Premier League. I paid £33 pounds for my ticket to watch two teams in the bottom half of the Championship, and I even included a pithy, what kind of entertainment am I going to get from this game? Well... Seven goals worth of entertainment. So as on my Forest face, fan, in a good way. They, they were they were scored by the right team. They, they really were. It was um, yeah. We hadn't scored in I think eight of our previous ten matches really? at all. Yes, and we got five in one game, which was bizarre. That's crazy, but lovely. All right. Well, there will be a lot of championship talk in our excellent totally football league show coming up on Tuesday, which I imagine might feature a reference to Ryan Sessegnon. Lionel Rossegna was uh, bigging him up last week, and uh, he went. And he scored his thirteenth of the season. Did Ryan as Fulham bagged their eighth win in a row at Craven Cottage, beating Wolves. Loads of goals elsewhere in the Championship. Uh, Sunderland had a three-three draw with uh, Tony Pulis's Borough. That's a surprise, isn't it? And Callum McManaman. That was that was quite yeah. funny. Scored the equaliser for Sunderland for three-three. Uh, didn't play much under Tony Pulis. Now Borough manager at West Brom and uh, ran past him and I think they call it gave it the big one. As oh, did part he? Of his celebration, yeah, in front of uh, <laughs> Mr. Pulis. His response after the game cracked me up as well. Oh. I have to say, he said. Um, the lad's got the hump. I don't know if that was the exact phrase, but it was along these lines. The lad's got the hump because he didn't play for me much at West Brom. So I sent him on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. He didn't play much there. And he's not played much here, so I can understand his celebration. <laughs> he's another nice man, Tony Peters, isn't he? I, I Very personable. I don't say I don't know much about no. him other than uh, sort of dealing with him. Oh, OK. Yeah. He has good knowledge of the Crimean War as well. Does he have good knowledge of the Crimean mm, War? I think when he left, was it Palace? One of the clubs when he left, he, he went on a tour of the Crimea because he was interested and, you know, to glean some more knowledge. So OK. Does lots of stuff for charity as well, doesn't he, Tony Pulis? And gives it all-round good egg. Oh, there you go. The one thing that really perplexes yes. me about him... He will not sit down for press conferences. I love that. I lo- you, yeah, you guys are not my priority. I have somewhere else to be. I am not sitting down. Even when he's like unveiled as manager of a club, he won't do it. And yeah, the cap's always on. Someone told me up. when he was at Stoke that it was about the time it takes. And uh, does it really take that much more time to sit down or stand up? I, I, I've not really been aware of it. I've not done studies into it myself. I think it's it just myself. brevity, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here for long. 
Yes. So yeah, yeah. it sends a message. It. What was the what was the most exciting game you saw, or the best game you saw this week? Well, the the League Cup final. It was. And yeah. It reminded me actually. I mean, it, I don't think I saw the point made this year, but it is regularly made that you know, it, obviously the League Cup final, the you know, the supporters split fifty fifty, and the atmosphere w- was really good for a point for a time, um, and it was yeah, fair play to the city. Mm. It well. was split fifty fifty, and then fifty percent just split. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty. It's a big continent of football, Ian Irving. Where do you want to start? Neymar's ankle. Right ankle? Right ankle. One of Neymar's ankles is missing. Yes. Yeah. What and a blow that is. Just eight days before the return leg with Real Madrid. Mm. Well, now the the line from PSG and from Umay Emery was we're just going to let it settle overnight and then have a look today. I haven't seen what Monday has brought in terms of ankle news. Nor I yet. Um, but similar to. We were saying with Guardiola, with Fernandinho, undoubtedly Ooh. the biggest. I'm, I'm hearing better than first feared. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Still, not great. Well, it's eight days away, isn't it? So it's going to still take some recovery to be not only fit, but fit and firing of sorts for that game. Perhaps he won't play between now and then as well. But, you know. Well, it, it's only French football. Well, and, the, and they're in a strong the quarterfinal on Wednesday. Mm. Um, against Marseille Part 2 I'm, oh, really? I'm commentating okay. on that match Are you? Um, yeah. for Nigerian TV? for PSG TV the English version actually okay. yeah um, but you would imagine that that's a nice one for him to be able to sit so out and in Matt, fact so you were all over the PSG angle um, well to an extent yeah yeah in as much as I haven't quite finished my research for that game yet. But yeah, okay. I can tell you that um, you... I don't think Neymar will be playing in that game. And given that it's Real Madrid, maybe they will make several changes, but they've certainly got the squad to do that and still beat Marseille anyway. Right. They had a 3-0 win. You probably saw as part of your research. Yes, I did. Yeah, lovely goal from Cavani mm. for 3-0. For but it's just, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it just seems too easy for them. You know, they've, they've, they've outgrown Ligue 1 almost. So you wonder how they can make that next step when they were so and the game between Real Madrid and PSG I thought was a strangely low quality football match so if they manage to get past Madrid in the second leg are they going to be able to deal with a Manchester City or a Barcelona we shall see I was a bit disappointed with Barcelona at Chelsea as well yeah. actually um, from that from that perspective it's a little unfair but every time I watch Barcelona I constantly compare them to the the pep incarnation between what 2007 2011 something like that and I'm always disappointed, so perhaps I should stop comparing them to that team and just accept what they are just now. Just accept them for what they are. Yeah. Yeah, did anyone see advice. Suarez trying to get a booking? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. That was amazing. I did see that. How did that... He basically wanted a yellow card, so he was suspended for the next game and would be back for uh, a bigger game. Atletico uh, he wanted to be yeah. available for, supposedly, yeah. And uh, he basically spent the second half fouling, time-wasting. He took about two minutes on a throw, and the ref basically knew what he was up to and was refusing to book it. I mean, it was... It's an interesting the... twist, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Did he never resort to his sort of trump card? He didn't pull out the big gums. No, OK. <laughs> he did get a hat-trick, though, didn't he? As Barcelona beat Girona 6-1, Messi got a brace, and the other was a Coutinho screamer. Real Madrid beat Alaves 4-0. Ronaldo was on a hat-trick, but still let Benzema take and score a penalty. Have that, haters. Yeah, Gareth yeah. Bale scored as well in that game, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Mm. Oh, do you remember Yannick Carrasco? He's off to China, isn't he? He's off to China. This is a player who was going to go to one of the European greats for untold riches, one of the brightest prospects of his generation. Mm. He has just signed for Dalian Yifang. I'll trust you, yeah. He'll earn £9 a season. He's 24. They've also just signed Jose Fonte from West Ham. 
How is this all possible? Because the Chinese transfer window shuts this Wednesday night. Carrasco may be looking at Paulinho and thinking, well, I'll go for a couple of years, take Fair the money, enough. and then I can yeah. get a move to a, to a decent side, and, and I'm, I'm much richer than I would have been, and well, still he, 26 or whatever. He might be looking at Tevez and fancy a trip to yeah. Disneyland. <laughs> Quite, yeah, quite, mm. yeah. Oscar's still out there, though, isn't he? Oscar's still out there, yeah. 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 It was interesting, last week, um, as part of a, a group interviewing Wayne Rooney, and um, he actually sort of said he could have gone to China for a lot of money uh, and, cho- and chose not to do that and to stay at Everton, even though he knew that he was under more pressure, even though he knew that uh, it was perhaps not the, the easier choice of the two. Um, and considering what he's done in his career, comparing it to you know a 24-year-old who's still got quite a lot to prove, I thought it was quite interesting that, that that's how he saw it, um, because... I suppose a lot of people would have forgiven him for for just flying over to the other side of the world and and being paid a lot of money just under no pressure. But actually going back to Everton and and trying to prove a point, which he he sort of quoted as Mm. doing. Um, Yeah, I think a a lot of people have warmed to to Wayne Rooney because of this season. But that wasn't the most interesting point of the interview Ah, for me. Right. The most interesting point of the interview... Thank goodness, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) ...was that uh, his son, Kai, gives him... Um, a, a, a quite extensive review of each of his performances really? after he's played. How old yeah. is Kai now? Good question. About nine, eight or nine, is okay. that right? I mean, you'd probably welcome that as a dad, though, that level of interest from... Yeah, well, Rooney yeah. was sort of talking about how he's how he's going to go about managing him is probably the wrong phrase, mm. but how he's going to go about supporting him um, and sort of being there to, to give advice and, and support Kai's choice if he does want to sort of have the ambition of being a footballer. I mean, they were sat at Old Trafford together yesterday as well, watching the United and Chelsea game, and the sort of camera caught them a few times. You can just see sort of Rooney explaining, yeah. Wayne explaining things to his son. Uh, it's quite nice, that, isn't it? Was your son, Duncan, performing a similar operation, perhaps while you were watching the League Cup final? He did. You. I did tell him that Arsene, well, he said, why was everyone angry with Arsene Wenger? And I said, because lots of people don't think he should be Arsenal manager. He he suggested me as a, as a replacement. Oh, there I? you go. Well, that's awfully sweet. How old is your son? He's eight. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I ha- but in terms of your stats performance, I have to say you've, you've come up with very few stats in today's show. You're, really? Yeah, you're below your X stat, My if X I may. I, uh, well... It's quality, not quantity. Have you, have you saved up something special for the end? Cause no. Because it, it's heading towards... Oh, never mind. But you've given us so much more than just numbers. Exactly. And that's, for me, that's that's more special. Uh, in other Spanish news, because we were talking about Spain, Atletico Madrid hammered Sevilla 5-2 at the Sanchez-Pijuan. I miss Diego Costa. Lovely, lovely, warm man. I w- once watched him oh. um, post-match. Uh, Chelsea, they always have a, a couple of kids uh, in the tunnel, um, you know, maybe down on their luck or not very well or whatever, you get to meet the players. And uh, one occasion, it would have been last season, the father of said children was trying to take a photo of Diego Costa with his kids and couldn't get the camera to work. Something was wrong with it. He showed it to his wife. She couldn't get it to work. So Costa obviously doesn't speak any English, picked up the camera. We thought, oh no, what's going to happen here? Uh, He batted off a couple of uh, club officials who were trying to say, oh, that's quite an expensive camera, Diego. Uh, Played with it for about three minutes, took a picture of himself, said it worked. They uh, lined up, took the picture. He gave everybody high fives, walked off. And the dad of the child and the rest of us were speechless. Like, that was properly broken and he's just fixed the camera. Diego Costa snaps. Yeah. Yeah, in a very very real sense. (laughs) He could have a career at Jessup's once he finishes playing football with those sort of skills. Something to bear in mind. That could develop. Right. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh! 
No negative to that joke. It was just terrific. Stuffy. Uh, in happier news from Scotland, the reserve keeper of Queen of the South, Sam Henderson, who you recall was out of their match at the weekend, we thought after being hit by a runaway cow, actually recovered and took his place on the bench. That's great news. Uh, in Germany, Bayern Munich had won 14 games in a row, but then they played Hertha Berlin, who for the second time this season halted them in their tracks. Nil-nil. 20 points their lead at the top of the Bundesliga. In Italy, Juve's game was snowed off at the weekend, which means that Napoli this evening could go four points clear if they can get past Cagliari away, which is not an easy game. We'll be doing our usual roundup uh, on Wednesday's show, but Milan, I have to say, second half away at Roma. It's their first win at Roma in, since 2011, but it was far and away the best Milan performance I've seen. Who was the chap who scored that second goal? He was, he was a ah, defender. Calabria. Lovely little dinked finish. Yeah, Davide Calabria. It was mm. brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. And the first goal from Patrick Cotroni was pretty good as well. It was almost like a Betigaresque kind of side foot in. Something but just the quite, way that... Huh? Sorry, James. I was yeah. going to say something quite warming about Milan getting back to oh, for former sure. glories. We've had Especially some f- with Gattuso in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, a total surprise to everybody. But they, there's no question they they are very much back at the moment. I don't know if it's going to last, if, if Arsenal will put them back in their, their place. But 12 games unbeaten in all competitions, five wins in a row. Clean sheets in all of those wins as well. It's remarkable, isn't it? Mm. Well, they're not. When, as we said a little bit last week on, on Golazzo, when you got Romagnoli and Bonucci as your centre halves, that's what you would expect from them. And Donnarumma. That goal is not bad either. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's going to be interesting. Now, when is the Europa League tie with Arsenal? When when is that happening? In a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, I think. Is it next week? Fit in so many oh. in the Europa League. Yeah. They have to fit it in by the time the last sixteen second legs are finished in the Champions League, so two legs. Right. So then they catch up then, and then the quarterfinals are ah. yeah, synced. All right then. Milan, anyway, the, the question now on, in Monday's papers is about whether they can get back into the Champions League via the, the league. They are seven points or fourth spot on Inter, but they're going to be facing Inter next week in the derby, which is going to be huge. And that is the football for today. Let's finish off then by getting the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I'm here with uh, Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, how was your weekend? It was very good, thank you. How was yours? Magnificent. Um, let's have a look at the odds. West Bromwich Albion, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for the baggies. Um, is Pardew even going to make the end of the season? Pardew, no, he's not going to last the season, we don't think. He's got a bag and a half packed already, he says. I reckon he's to finish the job with the packing, as he's clearly not going to finish the job at the Hawthorns. He's 4-9, to nine, that's odds on, that he's the next Premier League man and just sacked. Uh, and despite only being there for about a third of the season, it's really hard to argue with that. Um, but he has delivered more excitement than Pulis, one word for you, Taxigate. Uh, for him to be manager at the start of next season, it's a 5-1 to one shot, which is just a 17% chance. Ouch. Good Lord. Uh, is there any interest in him actually pulling this off, making the great escape and surviving? Uh, I can tell you that in the last six weeks, I've had zero bets on that. So, uh, in one word, no. OK, well, let's let's look to something happier. Rochdale, who, who did lose this weekend, and they didn't score in the process. Um, but what are the odds on them scoring at Wembley in their FA Cup replay with Spurs? Yeah, given that they're bottom of League One by some distance, they're obviously the nap of the day to beat Spurs. Um, great that they've got the replay. Very exciting. We're 12-1. to 1, They score a single goal at Wembley. Uh, which would be nice for them. 25-1 to 1 to pull off a mammoth upset. I think they've done their bit, though, with the draw. 
I'll tell you what I could see happening, though, and that's Liverpool finishing second in the Premier League, possibly even while scoring more than Manchester City. Uh, what can you get on that? Yeah, I'm half of you there. I Don't tell Guardiola, but I think Liverpool are definitely the most entertaining team to watch in the Premier League. Uh, and I think tipping them to finish second, given that they're only two points behind and imploding Man United, is a good shout. Uh, I just can't see him scoring more than City. I think City have got something like 79 goals already this season, which is 14 more than your Klopp side. Uh, so we'll quote you a generous 16-1 to 1 for that bet, but I would suggest there's more fun to be had with Chelsea and United. Novelty bet. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. It's 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. And Ian Irving, it's many thanks to you today. You're heading off to do... Fan zone. Yes. On uh, the Premier League TV worldwide. I'm sure on the agenda will be many of the things we've talked about today. Unhappy Arsenal fans being top of that list. Yeah. Right. And of course, later on in the week, we'll be talking about fantasy football, in which you are where in the world? Currently just outside the top 2,000. With your fantasy team? Yeah. Out of how many managers worldwide? Uh, is it nearly six million now, something like it's that? Certainly over five. Yeah, um, I've never been in this position before. What's um, the secret of your success <laughs> this year? Uh, ooh, that is a question, isn't it? Um, it's not been one move. You didn't get on anyone early, did you? That? Um, yeah, I've done that a few times. Getting on Firmino early oh, um, right. was a good move just before Christmas, but I, I don't know really. Um, and there's still time for it all to fall apart as well, because this is a real key part of the season with of all the course. chips involved and stuff as well. The chips. The double game weeks. Blank game weeks. The blank game weeks. Yeah. yeah. Cetera, hey, if you like that kind of thing, and most of you are going, no. But if you do, Fancy Premier League show is the place to, to find out more. Duncan, mm. thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, I'm off to apply for the Arsenal manager's job. Bingo. <laughs> Lovely. Well, enjoy that. Sure I'll, I'll get hounded out within a week. I'm not sure that you will. I'm not sure that you will. Matt, you're off to do something very exciting. Yes, yes. I've actually got quite a, a random week of football around the world. So I've got Coupe de France quarterfinal on Wednesday, PSG Marseille. Then I'm dipping into the Algarve Cup, which is a, a women's football tournament being contested by 12 teams. We're doing Portugal v China. And the CONCACAF Champions League has reached the round of 16 stage, as you'll now be doing the second leg of Seattle Sounders versus Santecla of El Salvador, who hold a 2-1 lead from the first leg. I'm intrigued. <laughs> How much of your week will be practising pronunciations? The vast majority, yeah. yes. Wow. wow, that does sound good, actually. <laughs> that does sound good. Well, we must get your views on all of that when, you, when you're next in. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Of course, Ian's along tomorrow with Totally Football League show. Galatas on Wednesday. Have a great time in the meanwhile, listeners. We'll speak to you soon. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. 